Welcome to my basement, everybody. I've got a great treat for you today. I am meeting and talking for the first time with Joseph Antoine Clavet. He is the cinematics director on a very hot game that kicked off 2024 in a grand style. I'm talking about Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. And this man helped to bring all of these characters and all of their little story elements to life with the team that he worked with. And Joseph, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, working with the Montpellier team and working with the Montreal team to kind of get us into the story, get us into the world of the Immortals. Yeah, but, uh, first, uh, Vic, thanks for having me. We're really excited about the launch of the game and the reception is really cool. Um, working with the Montpellier team, I've been working with cinematic Montpellier team since five years. Um, so we have a, a, a little part of a Montreal team. We had Linda Nguyen in part of the writing. We had Gaël in terms of uh, the localization, but most of the game was designed in Montpellier. And um, mm -hmm. I live in Montreal, but most of my work is all with the Montpellier team. Um, for sure, when my producer approached me and told me about like this new game being created by the Ubisoft uh, studio in Montpellier, I mean, it's exciting because you know the, those guys are highly creative, highly talent, talented, and yes. they, they bring amazing games uh, for players. So for me, it was an honor to just jump in with some people, you know, that work on games like Rayman Legend, Rayman Origin, games like that. I really enjoyed playing. Um, so it was a beautiful process of um, collaboration with them, uh, going often in Montpellier to have this synergy with the team, and then discovering the this amazing band of artists, of engineers, of, of programmers uh, that just poured so much love into this game. Um, so I might be in Montreal, but actually I've been working from Ubisoft Montpellier uh, since five years. That's awesome. H how did the game get started? Was it, uh, you know, an illustration like concept art, like a, like a comic book almost, and then it was fleshed out with this Metroidvania kind of concept? Or like, how did it begin? Was it prototyping and gray boxing, like getting mechanics down, and then you start to add in all of the flavor? So... Um... Something that might be interesting to know is when the team started working on the game, uh, it was not a Metroidvania already. Uh, what okay. they wanted to do is really to take the pillars and the DNA of Prince of Persia, this great exploration, uh, the puzzle solving, this acrobatic combat, and understand those systems, how they work together. And as the designing team uh, started giving Sargon more and more powers, they realized that the Metroidvania was kind of a natural path to go to. Uh, right. So it's something that kind of came naturally for the team. Uh, in terms of the genesis of the project, since I'm a cinematic director, we arrive um, always a bit later in the project when the story is, is, you know, we have a great skeleton of the story and there's some things that we can play around to see what should be the story beats or the cinematic uh, to add some value to the game. Yes. Uh, but like any creative process, it's a process of iteration, collaboration, uh, listening to your team, uh, which was something beautiful in our game, uh, the participation of everyone, uh, and having some really good leaders that have a vision and just bring their vision always forward and always remind the team and people like, this is what we're doing. So the Metroidvania structure came to the designer just, just by something natural. This is how it evolved. And then in this became the idea of like, oh, what about we make a Metroidvania that has a, a, a strong narrative driven structure? What about the right. story? It's not just like small story beats. We flesh out characters in a bit more depth. We create 
other characters around our main character to to give him a sense of oomph and a, a sense of believability, if I can say, in the world. So uh, creative process, iteration, discussion. And I think that the team really did their own work on that because you can feel it out, the game evolve and and what the players can actually experience right now. This game's been in production for quite a while, since 2020. And I think there's probably some people out there that are a little surprised by how much effort and work has gone into a 2D game. One of the comments that I, I keep reading about Prince of Persia, is it worth the price? Is it worth, because we've equated, I think, value in an experience to I, like where the camera's positioned for some crazy reason in our in the video game industry. But give us a sense of the, you know, the scope and the scale and the creative kind of elements that, that go into making a game this big. Because Ubisoft is a massive company with all of this AAA experience. And I feel that in the game, but I also do feel, uh, you know, kind of a smart reining in of of focus and scope and and not trying to, do everything in one experience. Well, you, you know, there's something, there's a sentence that I really like is I, I'm going to butcher it. Okay. So sorry for people, maybe in the comments, they're going to give the better version, but it's, yeah. it's, it's a project is not finished when there's nothing left to add. It's when there's nothing left to subtract. Mm. And, and I think this, this, this game like works well like that because it was always, uh, how do we make it like this Metroidvania game that is 2D. Why the 2D? It's with 2D, you have the power to control the frame. It becomes kind of like a painting. And you mm. can see it with, with the beautiful decor that uh, Jean-Christophe Alexandri, the team from uh, Jean-Baptiste Rollin, what they put together, you can see it in this 2D frame. Um, I don't think there's like something better from like 3D fully 3D third person game or 2D right. game. It's, I think right. people are not as used uh, to 2D games. Why? Because I think it's the history of game itself. Most games were 2D back in the days. And for some people that might have the connotation of like, oh, this is this is not up to date. The reality is that we make game for different type of players. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and, yeah. and I yeah. strongly believe that not every player has to enjoy the same type of games. And and I even believe that the critique, everybody has like the right to critique for these things. Um, what, what maybe might be different with this one is maybe when people started judging the game before saying it, you know, and feeling it. Because a right. game is not like a movie. It's something you experience. It's something you have in hand. It's like you can watch YouTube playthroughs or Twitch. They're great, but they're never like experiencing like in their end. And I yeah. think that that's even something we saw the ramp up of people being like, wait, it, maybe it's not about the like the the PlayStation 5 graphics. Maybe it's not about the third person. Maybe it's about the flow. How does it feel? And mm. so the 2D actually, I think, was like one of the best, the best decision that the team made in their design. Because I you agree. can feel the the full power and verticality that Sovereign yep. can take. Uh, the platforming is so fun and so frustrating sometimes. But when you accomplish it, it has this, um, how can I say, dark soul or Miyazaki element of like, I succeeded. And yeah. this is something like that that we see sometimes a bit less nowadays in games that are so directive and that just like, just follow, just follow the markers everywhere and you'll be fine. But this yep. one gave the opportunity to just give something that really feels like, oh, I'm, I'm part of a myth. I'm lost in Mount Calf. How can I get out of there? But while also understanding that we're ma making a Metroidvania. Metroidvania yeah. are like 
a tough job for some people, which is understandable platforming, uh, getting the parry down really, really good. It's a tight parry. Yeah, I'm, also, I'm just flashing on uh, David Jaffe getting stuck in a room in Metroid Dread. David's a friend of mine, and uh, you know he's a good dude. <laughs> but they're hard. Metroidvanias are hard. They're they're not easily accessible for everybody. Yeah, but, but but at the same time, this is something that we, you know, game games should be enjoyed by everyone. You know, like yeah, uh, something yes. we often gonna see like we're game devs. Right. Let's have fun. Right. You know, right. like and and that's why we wanted the Metroidvania. Like when I say we, the team, the designer wanted the Metroidvania structure, but we wanted the game to be accessible. Yeah, difficult but fair. So it's yeah. why the team made sure to give tools and accessibility, difficulty modes, um, something that people love and that I personally love, the memory charts that allow you to have the screenshot to make sure that depending on the level of difficulty you want in your game, you can kind of tailor it to your needs. So someone wanted an experience that is super hard, like go straight up to Immortal, go in exploration mode and just like, just enjoy like the, the full hardcore experience. But for someone who might want to have an experience that is a bit um, easier, smoother, or more directed. Well, you have the guided, uh, the guided mode. You have the memory shards. So we wanted to make a game that was tough but fair, and that would reflect the game that we grew up with. Because you know, like I remember the first time, like you tell me if I'm going in directions. You know that. No, it's all good. Crazy. Yeah. I remember the first time I played like Symphony of the Night. You know, like there was like yeah. Metroidvania structure was developing and there were Metroids before that were amazing. But I remember that and it, it's still in my head as like one of those experiences of being lost and discovering. And then you you finish it the first time, but then you discover that you can then burn the castle. And and that was kind of like always the goal. Like, how do we make an experience that like the most hardcore player are going to enjoy? but that people can just pick up and enjoy if they want a different type of experience. I love it. One of the things that's really impressive about the game, and then I think we, I want to tra transition to kind of your history and more sort of discovery or, and thoughts around the video game industry in general. But one of the things that I really love about the game is it feels like we're mid-adventure. We start the game and it's like these this band has been up to lots of crazy stuff prior and who knows where they're taking us. It's a busy opening. There's a lot happening. And I, I feel like there's intentionality there. Like there is an idea of where the, the story could go and where the story has come from. And uh, that must have been fun to kind of craft to, you know, as you as you guys were fleshing in the character stuff and the story stuff, it must have been fun to have all of these these toys in the toolbox to be able to, you know, embellish and give us all of this interesting exposition and storytelling to kind of sink our teeth into. Yeah, absolutely. Like um, getting like right in the middle of the action, you are in battle, the Christiana just like trying to take over Persepolis and then having the player care about your character, not telling them too much story about how did he enter the immortals? Who is this guy? He starts slowly by building a relationship with this character. So when the story beats that Jacques, Linda, the writing team, the narrative team put in, you, when you see those be the flashback or, or who is this character, then you have kind of this relationship with the character and you, you, you kind of care more about them. But also right. always thinking that this is a Metroidvania structure. So your story is going to be 
in different areas of Montcalf. What story beat do we need to tell? So it, it was a lot of fun discovering also the characters with the game. You know, like I pre- previously mentioned, like iteration is, is something key to games. Like the reality yep. is that the design team start with an idea, but in any creative process, those ideas are going to evolve and change. Uh, so it was beautiful to see where it started, uh, where will we need cinematics, uh, what is the relationship with with Stargon and Varum, how did, they, how did they meet, what is Stargon's relationship with other immortals? And and when the narrative team created these archetypes of immortal, it, it felt like, you know, Aqua, I define it, we are who we are because the people around us kind of define who we are. Sure. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, my, my yeah. example is always Batman. You know, Batman cobbled pot is money and, and politics. Like Bruce Wayne has something about money and politics. You have two faces, the sense of justice. Batman has a sense of justice. So like everybody around Batman car who Batman is. And the mm. narrative team kind of wanted to do the same thing. as like, we have Stargon, our main character. But what if he has these spider around him? That, that carved who is, that made who is, like the, the man he becomes in the game. Um, just like Anaita, uh, which is like a mentor, like a, a kind of tough tiger mother figure. And and how did she raise him to be a weapon, you know? And how that affects Sargon to just become like, I want to be one of the greatest warrior. Like you played the game, Sargon started a bit like cocky, like muscle and, and yeah. physical powers what what makes Sargon Sargon at the beginning. But then as he evolved, he discovered that like there, there's more to existence um, than only being a good fighter. And and something that Mune, uh, the game director, would always go back to was these great philosophical question, like like Miyamoto Musashi type of question. What is at the end of your blade? What yeah. does it mean to be strong? And we will, we will sometimes just bounce back these questions, you know, what does it mean to be that character? Like, uh, how, how would he accept um, certain, I'm, I'm not going to spoil too much the game, but how would they accept certain elements that happen in the game? So certain like key plot, you know? So yeah. it was a lot of fun with the narrative team to bounce back the ideas. And I think uh, Jacques, Linda, the narrative team really did a good work as how to place the story within a Metroidvania structure, make it feel like you can attach to Sargon and the other character while keeping it true to core gameplay is what makes this this game truly special. Yeah, and it, it feels so beautifully crafted. Like there's a real sort of thought about how big it gets. Even the idea of playing with time and the retraversal systems that are always a part of Metroidvania games, like going back in time, you or you're kind of doing that physically by re-exploring areas. And then you're also you know, playing with our minds with this notion of time manipulation a little bit, as is part of, you know, the Prince of Persia franchise since Sands of Time. And one of the things that I picked up, I t- I just spoke with uh, Jordan Mechner, and he is a huge fan of this game. Um, cl- you know, clearly it must feel wonderful for him to see his baby go on in all of these interesting directions. Uh, but one of the things that he really pointed out is just how uh, accurate or authentic it feels to Persian culture and and how it's not, you know, it's, it's an animated sort of embellishment. But I think you and your team really tried to kind of convey authenticity as part of this whole project. Absolutely. The, the team, the team was careful to first, it's not the historically accurate game. And that was never yeah. the goal. 
the yeah. goal was to how do we showcase beautiful Persian myth, folklore, right. and lore, and uh, give it like I would say the Ubisoft Montpellier French touch. Right. So they they made sure to talk with historians um, to do their research, always thinking that this is a myth. We want people to feel something that feels big. And you know when they're talking about the anime influence. Uh, the anime influence is kind of that. Everything is over the top. Everything is big. Everything feels like you're overpowered. And something that René Jacques, uh, Jean-Christophe will always go back to is like, what it was, it was like kind of like the Avengers, but in ancient Persia. And the response, like the, what I'm going to say, it's, it's totally personal. So the response from the Iranian people who speak Farsi, people from, from Persian, um, culture is so great you know yeah. when you see people writing online wow this is one of the best representation of the folklore i grew up with in modern wow. media you feel yeah. like wow we were able to find the right balance between folklore myth uh, a bit of history and a bit of lore, but making it with this modern twist to the franchise and right. and we always try to keep that thinking about what makes something a prince of persia exploration puzzle intricate combat system and um i really think the, the the team nailed it on that one it's pretty cool yeah it's awesome it's been a um you know like 2023 was an incredible year for video games 2024 is already kicking off with some bangers already yours being one of them but it's been a tumultuous time in games uh maybe in kind of response to the explosion of uh, interest in games in 2020 and then the working from home and then going back into the workforce and going back into companies there's been a tremendous amount of upheaval and layoffs and massive successes but um, studio closures and it's just been crazy and in the midst of all of that Ubisoft has been going through its own struggles internally as you know well publicized out there but I'm seeing and I I don't no, correct me if I'm wrong. There's this attitude of of um, uh, trying new things and maybe going back uh, to the roots a little bit. And I'm I'm reflecting on Assassin's Creed Mirage, which was a very good game, but it also evoked a uh, you know a, a, a more handleable uh, era of Assassin's Creed games because they've just gotten so large and so big and successful. But I'm seeing that again here with Prince of Persia. Is that something? that you're noticing at the studio, like in tumultuous times, you kind of have to go to what you are good at and come back with ideas that are fresh and, you know, trying new things. Is that kind of what you're feeling at UB right now? I, I think it's my feeling at Ubisoft. I'm not going to go too much in the detail because there's so many projects you know, I know. happening right now. And it's now. so, it's it's impossible to kind of wrap your head around how big Ubisoft and how, how scattered yes, it is yeah. and how many how many development teams there are. It's a, a massive institution. It's huge. Like I told you, I live in Montreal. I work for Montreal. I shoot the mocap in Montreal, but I work for a Montpellier team. And yeah. I, I think this is one of the strengths of Ubisoft. You know, like we, yeah. we have people all around the world and I think it gives like this perspective from different angle. That yeah. said, going back to the root of certain type of gameplay or things like that, I think it's, it's something that... Um, in the industry, and this is purely an opinion right now, yeah. uh, I think this is something that we see because more and more people are playing games. And now we have mm. older gamers uh, also. You know, when I was a kid, like a career, like I come from a village, like a career in game was like not something you would, you would even think about. 
But right. now, like you get you get gamers of our age, you get like older gamers, and I think that brings back sometimes the desire to uh, to have certain things that were part of our, our nostalgia. And like, how do we make it to this new era? Um, so I will not I, I will not go in the detail of like is Ubisoft itself going back to roots to certain element, but clearly, like you mentioned, we sit like people wanted to do Mirage with like this this perspective that like closer to the early. Assassin's Creed game. And for Prince of Persia, it was uh, the designer just being like, we love those type of games when we're younger. What yeah. about we, we make a modern twist on it? And I think in the industry, we have more and more of feeling, even like the feeling of graphics and things like that. You know, like yeah, a fewer past graphics were everything. You know, yeah. it's like it yes. needs to always look next gen. But with so many indie developers that are making new content, new elements, and great ideas, I think this is just an influence from each other. I think like we we all right. feed from different cultures, we all feed from different type of, of, of medium of entertainment, and I think right. now we're just at this moment where like it's a merge between all those elements. Um, yeah, and that's that really honestly quite an answer. <laughs> Sorry for that. No, it's a beautiful answer, and and honestly, it's uh, it's one of the things that has kept covering the industry just a joy because it's never done. It's it's different, you know, like it, it it's riding a roller coaster. We don't know where it's going to go. And that it's it's almost like the games industry is a video game itself. You know, like we just don't know. It's not it, there's no final form here. We're figuring it all out. But I think what's cool on the outside of it is to see the fervor for things that went away a bit and now they're back with things, you know, like Assassin's Creed Mirage felt like a classic Assassin's Creed game. And Prince of Persia feels like a natural distillation of ideas that came before it. Uh, it's probably too soon to talk about a sequel to The Lost Crown. Are you guys in the midst of analyzing all of that? Or is anything you want to kind of tease? Right now, we're, we're, we're still focusing on some of the elements of the game. I'm not going to tease anything, but... If you follow, you know, you, Ubisoft social media channels, for sure there are going to be information on that at a later date if it happens. But right yeah. now we're 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 gliding, you know, like on on all the love that we're receiving from the gamers. And uh, if some things pop up in the future, for sure you'll hear about it. What drew you to games? Why did you want to make video games? Because clearly you could have been an animation director for, you know, the television shows or movies or what What brought you into the video game industry? Well, I always been a gamer. As, as far as I can remember, playing with my brothers, uh, I always been a gamer. Um, when I started, it, it in my mind, it was not something kind of accessible. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, how could I say like, wizards in japan making these beautiful yeah. games and then yeah. as developed and montreal became a hub for video game companies it became something that you 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 could figure out like maybe i can do that and i was working in cinema i was a cinema teacher for a few years and at one point i got this call um to work on ghost recon mm. because they needed a first assistant director for the mocap and for me, it was like a dream come true. Why games? Because I think there's still a lot of things that are unexplored in games. Um, it's a different way of storytelling. Um, it's also a different relationship that you have with the character. Um, so I think it's this beautiful amalgam of like storytelling, a pure true gameplay experience, 
a, a really sweet moment that you can have with people around you. Like, I mean, couch co-op is something that, that that is like almost magical when you have a really good game and you're playing with people that, you know, you really care about. So I think it's for me, mainly it's really that where, where are we going to be able to push the boundaries of storytelling without the, like in a medium that is, is still in progress, you know, like movie making is amazing, but you feel that like, the rules have been established. We can have a few things sometimes that are going to be out of the norm that are really cool. I love movies, but it's a, a bit more, um, the structure is more clear. In right. games, there's so many ways of just like trying to change that or telling that story in a different way. Um, a great example for me, uh, uh, I can mention other games, right? Of course, yeah. Yeah, uh, like Disco Elysium. This yeah. show Elysium for me, it's such a beautiful narrative and, and goes back to like the choose your story book, but then it's a game, it's interactive. And, and this is something that no other medium could create. There's no other medium that can really do that. Like, yes, the story create your own adventure is are like the, the, the first uh, blocks to create those type of story. But this is something you will not see anywhere else. And this is, for me, what makes games so amazing. There's still opportunities to add new ideas, create new elements, give people an experience that they will remember forever because they have the controller and they have this relationship with the character. That's awesome. Do, do you... You sound like such a, a super fan for the the, the actual hands-on control and the medium itself, like the building of game content, game sort of design is that something that you are looking f possibly to do down the road is get into some design work for yourself or or, or or do you want to stay on the story track that you're on um i for sure would like to be able to combine both because i i, I think they go kind of end in hand in a certain sure. way you know yeah. what i mean like a cinematic can be beautiful but if the gameplay is not fun uh or the gameplay is fun, but the story is not really driving you forward. So I think I think that's what makes it really cool. It's like blending those two together. And for sure, in the future, like I have so many ideas for games. I would like to develop my my own game in the future. But right now, like we we feel there's this breath of fresh air happening in the game industry. And right now, just working with Ubisoft Montpellier, like you hear about so many amazing ideas and projects to work on, but. Uh, I think it's a good place for now, uh, right now for me. Fantastic. Uh, I've been doing this for quite a while. So I, I was at uh, Ubisoft Montreal for Sands of Time when uh, that game was coming together and uh, I, interviewing Patrice and uh, Raphael Lacoste. And I, I interviewed your predecessor and I forgot his name. I'm sorry. I should have looked it up before the interview, but he was a cinematics director working on Sands of Time. And at the time there weren't tons and tons of games that were investing so heavily in that. And I still remember the beaming pride on his face because he was clicking play on, on his computer and showing me early footage of some of the storytelling come to get, coming together. And Jordan Mechner was writing a lot of that story. And it was pretty mind blowing. That was that's a 10 out of 10 game still to play it now. It's like, wow, this is so ahead of its time. Are you in touch with any of the people that may have worked on that game? And, it, it, you know, I feel some of the I don't know, the magical ether of that game is is imbued in The Lost Crown. And I'm wondering if there's any connection with any of the uh, the the people that worked on that. So um, maybe we spoke with was Felix Etienne. Is it possible? I, I, 
I, it's possible. I mean, I met, I met most of the team back then. Yeah. Well, that was 20 I, uh, years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, yeah. I totally accept that you forgot probably the name somehow, but yes, um, some, some good friend who work on that franchise that are older than me, uh, were part of that team. So for example, my mentor was part of the animation team. So he is, is, is amazing person who taught me so much about game when I, I just arrived. So it was always fun to, ask them question about how did they design it back in those days? Like what, what was it like to work at Ubisoft 20 years ago? Because you know, that like that grew up a lot in, in like within 20 years. Absolutely. So uh, for sure, keeping connection with those people and just sometimes as a cinematic director, having the support of other people to know, am I, am I taking the right choice? Am I doing the right direction? Is this the best experience for the player? For sure. I, I, um, I keep great contact with them. Um, so I can be well advised in case of that one, uh, we didn't necessarily want to go back to like making something that was uh, obviously a one for one for what I've, I've done before, but really right. building on the plot that was that was created by those teams, uh, making sure that when you play it, you feel it's a Prince of Persia game, but you know it's a different story, a different lore, different character to just make it our own and have like this modern twist on the franchise. Right, you're embellishing so the world. Yeah, so it was more on the personal level, being able to sync with them and have like their input. You know, like I think, I think when you work in the creative world, you know, one thing is like be ready for critique. Like if you're not willing to be critiqued or get feedback, maybe the creative world is like not where you you should be. But right. also bouncing by ideas with like people who have more experience, more knowledge, or just that 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 care about the, the work and care about games. It's always a good thing to make sure that you're pushing the boundaries and and make something that is a great experience for the players. Awesome. You worked on uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla? Yes, I did. You did. And also Ghost Recon. And I'm just curious how different it is to work on something like Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown, compared to something as massive as uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Is it the same discipline, same kind of collaborative spirit? higher stakes, more pressure, more people, or, you know, how how do they compare and contrast? I I would say that anything you want to do well um, kind of takes the same amount of energy in terms of like Mm. in in the creative process. Um, Every time you start with a new team, new people, new ideas, new concepts. And I, I will not, I will not be able to put it really like on that much different level. Like the systems are going to be different. The way you you do the cinematics, uh, the, the constraint that you have depending on the engine that you're you're using, what platform, what console is it going to be on? So for sure, there are always those elements that are going to be slightly different from game to game. That's just right. part of the creative process. Like I could compare it to writing classical music versus writing rock. Uh, but in the end, you know, like crafting something that you care about is the same level of energy, like from working on Valhalla and having this team, like of amazing people just want to make like a great Viking fantasy adventure, if I may say, or yeah. working with people, um, on the lost crown, you know, it's, it's often the same level of passion and, you know, something that like, I think people tend to forget when we see like in this online era where we're online and a lot of interaction or through a keyboard and screen. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people forget like that game developers are like gamer. They're like human, like everybody else. They want to create a great experience when they make a game. They, yeah. they want people to have a great experience, just like the experience they have in their life, you know? 
So I will say that every time I work on a new game, it's learning who are the team, what are the system, and what do they want to tell? What is the experience that they want to give to the player? So always a bit different, a little bit the same, but always a, a freaking lot of fun. Oh, well said, my man. Um, uh, there's so much that we can go into, and I, I know we're pressed for time here, but uh, my viewers will kill me since you work with the Montpellier team if I don't ask about Beyond Good and Evil 2. And I, I, I'm sure, you know, there's the, a limit to how much you can say, but, it, you know, there, there's a lot of fans for that game. I love the first game. I don't know what the status is. Anything you can or want to say about Beyond Good and Evil 2? Uh, I'm not going to go in the details of uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2 because the truth is um, I'm, I'm not attached to the project. I, like, I love the project, but I mean, I'm not, um, I'm not on the team and things like that. So I think my words would be more what I think than, than you know, the truth. Um, yep. I'm just like you, really eager to see where Beyond Good and Evil 2 is going to go. Unfortunately, I don't have much answer for you in that sense. I'm sorry Okay, no. No worries. We we keep hope alive. Um, what what project would you uh, can you tell us what you are going to work on next, and what project do you kind of have in your in your mind? Like what would what would be a dream project for you? A dream project for me, I cannot I cannot say what project I'm currently working on because I'm okay. already you know onboarding for a, a new project um, with Ubisoft Montreal with the Cinematic Montpellier team. Mm-hmm. Um, but a dream project for me would be, it's not one project in particular, it's its using different type of gameplay together to create an experience that is like new to the player. Um, there's mm. this this game that I've been working on uh, on the side that is really only for me like since like two years That that just brings something that I personally never played in game. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, like, um, the power of creating something that hasn't been done yet, that, that kind of what intrigued me the most about the game industry. So without burning myself, because this is something I've, I've been working on, it's, it's creating an experience that like adds elements of everything I like from like, I don't know, rhythm game to versus fighting game to exploration game. And how do we make it in a bundle that is something that like player haven't you know, experienced yet? Um, but on games I'm currently working right now, that's all I'm going to go. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to burn those NDAs, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Top secret stuff. No, I know it. Joseph, it's a real treat to meet you and to speak with you. I, I, I see the passion. It's vivid. And uh, congratulations on your success. The game is wonderful. If you're not playing Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown, what are you doing with your life? It's amazing. Thank you, my friend. Thank you all for watching and listening. Don't forget to hit that thumbs up button and subscribe to us or write a review if you're listening to this as an audio podcast. Thank you for your support. We'll see you soon. And until then, play forever. Play forever.